Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. It's The List and your boy with Jimmy Van and Sean Ross. All right, you guys are live. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross, that managing editor of Fightful.com here. It is Wednesday, November 8th. Listen, your boy, number 45. Not only am I the several thousand dollar man, as you all saw on our Halloween edition of the SmackDown Live post-show podcast, I am now the 280 character man. Twitter yeah. finally gave me my 280 characters, Jimmy. Me too. Me too. Really? Yeah. Are you ever going to use that many? Or did, I don't, so this was so usually when I do the little uh, listen your boy plug, I'm usually pretty close to running out. Today I was gonna say I was gonna say it'll probably help in that regard. Yeah, no issue today at all. No issue today. I like that. How do I'm you like uh, how do you like uh, Macho Man Virgil? Back I, there? I do like it. I thought that it, was apropos because they had the feud for so long with DiBiase, so it yeah. you know so it's good. It strangely fits. It it right it does. Yeah. It does. I was going to put the rock mask on there first, but then I thought people might actually think that is Virgil, like a lighter Virgil. So I, I went with uh, Savage. And it like does what, be that, you went, that you Sammy Sosa Virgil or something? I, and I've seen the pictures of that. Yeah, yeah that's man. pretty fucked. That's pretty fucked. Yeah, it is. So, so how you doing today, man? We have a lot to talk good. about today. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Still me, as I've mentioned several times on the show, last week the volume of news was almost or on par with WrestleMania level because of everything that was going on. Right. Silly me thought that would slow down Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. Oh no, it didn't. I gotta ask. Uh, maybe the people in the chat can answer. Are you as pixelated on the live stream right now as you are on my monitor? Uh, you probably is. Because on my probably. monitor, you're really pixelated, man. Yeah. It's, it's like a, it's like a NES 1985. That sounds awesome. Yeah. And you've got that nice amber glow to you too yeah, because yeah, of the lighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the hair, man, you got the 
Uh, it's almost it's, it's almost like Undertaker 1990 right now. Almost. It's out of control right now. I'm thinking more like 04 because it wasn't grown out. Oh, the yet Terry Funk one. Back. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When everybody said he looked like uh, Terry Funk stretched out. Yeah. yeah, a little bit. So I want to start today uh, by giving, uh, I guess, sending my condolences to the family of Roy Halladay. Yeah, man. Uh, I am not a big baseball guy, but because he played for the Jays for like 12 years, of course I knew who Doc Halliday was. Uh, we're doing this on November 8th. He passed yesterday, November 7th, in a plane crash uh, off the coast of uh, Florida. Apparently he was hot-dogging. I saw some, some video on TMZ, and apparently he was hot-dogging in the plane and lost control and crashed, and it's unfortunate, man. He's, he's one of these guys that you don't hear anything negative about. Everybody liked him, you know? Well, he no hit, or he, I think he pitched a perfect game against my Cincinnati Reds in the playoffs, and like you couldn't, like I couldn't even hate him for it. Like I wanted to. It was our first time being to the playoffs in like 15 years, and he just pitched a masterful game. And I, I've always had a soft spot for the Blue Jays, and he was a Blue Jays great. He was. I keep saying, man, it is tragic that he's not going to be there for his own Hall of Fame induction. That first, is, yep, it's true. Sad. Yeah, first ballot too. I'm sure. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to George St. Pierre because I got to say, man, and again, people that aren't MMA fans, I think will appreciate this. This guy took four years off from MMA, four years. Yeah. Uh, and it was almost reminiscent to me of Shawn Michaels when he came back after taking, how many years was he off, uh, Shawn? About the same, about, right? About four and a half, yeah. Yeah. And Sean came back and was as good as ever when he came back to the ring. George, uh, not only did he take four years off, but he went up a weight class. So he went from 170 to 185. Now, I will say, uh, not that George St. Pierre is ever going to see this. If a friend of or anybody ever sees this and can get this to George, retire now. Because uh, he didn't look that great come the second round. The, uh, the weight was catching up to him, I think, a little bit. But he, he was able to win the middleweight title. First fight in four years, and he won the middleweight title. It's pretty impressive. Retire now because Robert Whitaker will not be a fun day at the office. But uh, uh, good for him after four years that he was able to come back and do that. Yeah, it was a great event. As I've said, the most momentous UFC event maybe ever. Uh, very good. Our, it was a very good we show. We have our post show up on Fightful and FightfulPods.com. It's, it was awesome, and that did contribute to that crazy news volume because when you have three title changes – yeah. That facilitates a lot more articles. Like, if somebody successfully defends their title in a run-of-the-mill fight, like it's right. you'll get some news out of that. But you're doing title change news. You're doing like the Twitter reacts stuff. Fortunately, I had Jeremy Lambert there to help me. David Tease did great coverage. And then that psycho David Tease three hours later was up covering New Japan Power Struggle. So awesome. uh, shout outs to him for that too. And Brian Rose. I've, I, you've heard me mention on the podcast sometimes that West Coast delay uh, can be a bit of a hurdle. It, it definitely helps New Japan nights when mm -hmm. I don't have to stay up super late and PWG nights, stuff like that. So lots of cool stuff at Fightful this weekend especially. And, uh, man, it's it, we got another big weekend next weekend. Uh, not this one. I mean still UFC Norfolk, but loaded next weekend with like UFC and uh, NXT, Ring of Honors running shows. WDB's got Survivor Series. It doesn't end. Yep. My daughter's birthday party as well. There you go, Sean. Oh, awesome. Throwing all that in there, man. How old uh, is she? She's going to be turning three. I, I booked an entire uh, venue. Really? Yes. Did, you book, did you book the Ottawa uh, place where Impact is? <laughs> That's actually not a bad idea. Uh, no, I booked a place called Jungle Land. It's like one of these big kids' 
indoor, yeah. indoor playgrounds. And I booked the whole venue because uh, my wife told me otherwise you get one room and then it's a community yeah. gym, whatever. I don't want a community gym. I want just my kid to have her fun there. So, so a, place, that's, uh, a place that I taught kickboxing at would do that. They would rent – you could rent out the entire activity center or you could rent out the one room and then it was a community thing. Right. Well, I had a kickboxing class in the middle of a kid's birthday party and it was a nightmare. Oh, yeah. Especially with how great you were with kids, too. How many did you call Playboy that day? I'm pretty good with kids, actually. <laughs> I volunteered at a Boys and Girls Club of America for years. It's like easy on the, on the handlebars there, Playboy. So, Will there uh, be more people at your child's birthday than at the impact tapings? Oh, it'll be close. <laughs> it'll be close. So, so we're doing this on Wednesday the 8th. I haven't heard about the attendance from last night, but I heard Monday night was like 100. Is that true? So one of the people told me a hundred, and then people within the company were saying a few hundred. Well, of course, they're going to say well, that. They, the people there said about a hundred. Uh, I don't want to okay. say a hundred, but okay. about a hundred. Well, we're going to get into that, and I am going sure to are. let me let me tell you something, Sean. We'll get into it in a minute. And Ed Nordholm, uh, normally I would charge some kind of a fee for the for the <laughs> for the free guidance that I'm going to give you, uh, but uh, I feel like you need it because you're you're treading water. But uh, first, I want to talk about uh, WWE's surprise booking heading to the Survivor Series. And I want to talk about how much I love it, man. I love the unpredictability nature because, granted, this is entertainment. This is not real fighting. But in real fighting, unpredictable stuff happens all the time, right? Uh, and uh, so why not have that element of pro wrestling? It's one of the fun elements of pro wrestling is when things are unpredictable. So this week alone, so on Raw... Cesaro and Sheamus beat Rollins and Ambrose, which I considered a surprise uh, mm -hmm. because I thought Ambrose, Rollins, and the New Day, that was kind of going to be a marquee tag team matchup. And uh, so they made that you change. You mean Usos? Uh, Usos, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. But uh, so that was interesting. But even more interesting, they spent weeks promoting Jinder Mahal and Brock Lesnar. They got Jinder cutting promos on Brock on SmackDown. They got Brock cutting promos on Jinder on Raw. And then what do they do? AJ Styles beats Shinder Mahal for the WWE title on SmackDown this week. AJ is immediately uh, injected into the match with Brock. That's going to be very interesting. Uh, and uh, I got to ask about poor Mr. Jinder Mahal now. So the guy's a main eventer for six months, Sean. Granted, business has not been the greatest, but he's main eventer for six months. And now all of a sudden, there's a spot left open in the match, uh, the, the men's elimination match. And what do they do? They put John Cena in AJ Styles' spot. Meaning that Jinder, is it going to be twiddling his thumb sitting on the sidelines? There have been rumors that he's injured. Do you think maybe he's just going to take time off for that? I just want to say, WWE, as it pertains to the changes that you're making, I like the way you do business. I like it too. I do. I like it. Yep. And I, I've said this a couple times before. I'll say it again. WWE TLC was a blessing in disguise for fans because – it showed WWE that they could change something not just weeks ahead, yes. within days. Yes. And it says plenty that a Shield reunion being canned, they were able to do something that created much more buzz than that had because that Absolutely. had some buzz to it. Yep. But this has more buzz. And not only that, it got Kurt Angle back in the ring. He worked He worked a live event last night. He did. He still did the Shield thing. So he was still wearing yeah. the Shield, shield gear. So he's but... still in the Shield. Yeah, he's still in the shield. At this yeah. point, they should Team Raw should have just been Rollins, Ambrose, Reigns, Triple H, and Kurt Angle. Right. Well, 
or Renee Young, the right. shield, the new shield. Do you remember when uh, years ago Hacksaw Jim Duggan was the captain of a team and all the poor guys had to carry around two by fours? I also remember when he joined Team Canada. Oh, back in WCW, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he hated that. Trust me. I talked to him about that. But they made him shave the beard. Do you remember that? I do remember oh, he, that. He hated that. But anyway, there was a year that Hacksaw, everybody, I remember Bret Hart was one of them. Everybody had to carry uh, two by fours on their shoulder. And so maybe the shield thing's not a bad idea, but I uh, I love the unpredictable build, uh, booking that they're doing. I'm curious what's going to happen with the Raw men's team because they announced Jason Jordan is going to be the fifth guy in that match, but Roman Reigns now is confirmed to be on Raw on Monday in Atlanta. So there's still time, I guess, for an injury angle or something if they want to get Roman into the match. But uh, I love all there's, the unpredictability. I love it. Right now, as of this moment, there is no Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, uh, Bray Wyatt, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, Jinder Mahal, or New Day. Right. On the show. Even though uh, the that, New Day have been the catalyst for the Under Siege stuff. Yeah, and right? I'm sure it's going towards Shield and New Day. But at this point, I'm like, man, they keep putting – New Day and Babyface spots, but they're like, I don't know why I'm supposed to cheer them. And maybe that's by design because I honestly I'd rather have the shades of gray type of thing. Let them be assholes sometimes. Not not everybody is always the easiest to deal with uh, in any scenario. So I, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with the shades of gray. Let people make up their own minds. If it fails like that, then you can always revert to the old way. But AJ Styles got the best match out of Jinder Mahal that Jinder has ever had. <laughs> yes, ever. he did. Yes, he did. I was, I was telling Sean off the air about how AJ sold Jinder's finisher unlike anybody ever has. I mean, he like flipped in the air on the way down. And uh, he sold it like a million bucks. AJ's great. He's had an awesome run. Like this run yes, has, has been excellent, and I'm, the the Brock match is going to be interesting because obviously style wise, even though you know it's it's predetermined entertainment, style wise he's got to stick and move. He's got to do a lot of aerial stuff, and it's very interesting. I'm I'm much more interested in seeing AJ Brock than Jinder Brock. So, oh, of uh, course, of course, me too. Did you see Jinder's comments? Mm-hmm. What do Go. you think of those? I'll, I'll read them. I honestly, to be honest, so I I kind of. I try to avoid the negative comments, as you know. I try to avoid the trolling stuff. I did not hear anything negative about gender because I wasn't looking for it. So he claimed that people are saying, uh, oh, you failed a, w- a wellness policy test or you're injured or it's not working, your run's not working. I hadn't heard stuff. Now, granted, the run not working, we've talked about because attendance has been poor. Uh, so we've talked openly about it. But the whole wellness policy thing, I haven't heard anything about that. It's just been poor quality. Yeah, yeah. Poor quality. He's tried his best, man. I mean, I it's nothing on gender. Again, he was behind the eight ball because when you're enhancement for eight months and you have programmed people to think that you're essentially a bum and then you're given the WWE title, very difficult spot for him to be in. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think he, he did his best with what he was given because it was just a very difficult you know thing for him to, to have to do, but... But uh, I know I, I applaud the decision to uh, to change the title the way they did, especially again after they've spent now what two weeks promoting the Brock match with Jinder, having them cut promos on their shows, and then they do that. I like it. I like it. it's good. I, I do too. I, they made a switch. It was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. I'm all for it. And adding John Cena to the match and on a brand that he hadn't appeared on in several months because he is a free agent. Yes, I like that too. That was. A much higher profile thing. I'm just interested to see how everybody else fits into this situation too. I, I also uh, like the angle Cena dynamic. 
because we've talked about the Shane Angle dynamic, but Cena and Angle had a history too. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested in seeing that. Uh, I think off, I've often, or uh, obviously I should say, I think people are going to look at, say, Bobby Roode and Finn Balor as the uh, the weak links on the teams. But, uh, yeah, I'm interested. It's elimination, right? Yeah. So it's going to be very interesting. That match, uh, yeah, I'm very interested to see how that match goes. Um, okay. I want to get to uh, Tim Pack Wrestling. Do I have time before the first segment? Okay, yeah, yeah I think oh, I do. Because yeah, I'm going to, this is going to be a good one, all right? So uh, um, I honestly don't know if I've ever seen a company, Sean. I've been in business now. I've had my own company for seven years, and uh, I've been in the business world for 20 years. I don't know if I've ever seen a company, wrestling or otherwise, that has made this many bad decisions in an 11-month period, Sean, right? Because Anthem acquired Impact in January. So an 11-month period, I don't know if I've ever seen this happen before. And i got to tell you, there are two things in my day-to-day life, and I think you're similar to me. Two things in my day-to-day life that I hate, that I absolutely hate. One is incompetence, and the other is a lack of common sense. I hate yes. those two things, right? And uh, in their day-to-day lives, you deal with it. You deal with it with people, you know, taking 20 minutes to order a coffee. You deal with it with people that are looking at their phones, walking down the sidewalk to bump into you. You deal with you, it. You know what? You know what my wife and I call those people? Doddlers. Doddlers? Doddlers. Okay. They just doddle around. <laughs> well, let me tell you this. In my core business, and my, my core business is advertising, and in my core business, every year you'll have a couple companies that come along and they profess that they're going to be the next big thing, and within a few months they fizzle out. And yeah. I think that the reason for that is I think that there are some guys that, you know, they, they, they find this business, uh, they, fell in lo- they fall in love with the idea of being in the business, and they fall in love with the idea of going to a trade show and popping bottles at an industry party and whining and dining clients and all that. But they fail to recognize this is a business, and there are checks and balances to this business. And if you don't know how to run a business, you're not going to survive. I can't help but think that the core root of Anthem's issues, all of them, and there have been a lot of them, right? I can't help but think that the core root of their issues with Impact Wrestling is that they fell in love with the notion of running a wrestling company, right? And they fell in love with the notion of creating their own content for the night for the Fight Network when they just had a complete lack of business sense when it comes to pro wrestling. And that's really what I think it comes down to is they just had a complete lack of business sense. You can't book wrestlers, book a venue, get a ring, and all of a sudden, I'm a wrestling promotion. I'm a successful wrestling promotion, right? It doesn't work like that. And talking about this week's TV tapings in Ottawa, Canada, right? When they first announced this, what was it? What was it? A few weeks ago, a month ago, they first announced it, that they're going to do yeah. six straight days of tapings in Ottawa. And what did I say on the show? I know the Ottawa market. I went to school in Ottawa. I said it's going to be a hell of a tough sell. And this is a market. WWE comes through Ontario, the province of Ontario, Canada, every quarter or so because they hit Toronto every three months, right? They go to Ottawa once a year, Sean, because WWE recognizes it's a tough market. Ottawa is a government town, and it's a working-class town. Uh, and getting people to show up for, uh, for six straight days was just going to be a really, really tough thing to do. Did they I, show up for two straight days? Was two straight, to do. apparently. I honestly think that Anthem went into this with the mindset, we're all about budget. Budget, 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 Right. And I think that they failed to recognize we have TV contracts we have to fulfill. Our only lifeblood right now is the India contract and the UK contract. That's all they have for revenue, right? 
And I think they failed to recognize we have to fulfill these contracts. We have to provide them with a suitable product for television, right? We can't provide them with a product where there's 20 people sitting in the crowd because how's that going to make us look? All they thought about was budget, budget, budget. Well, this, this, uh, this, this venue in Ottawa cut us a great deal on rent, Canadian dollars, close to home. This is the way we got to go. And they just didn't think about the market at all. They did zero research into the market of Ottawa. They never looked at, are we going to be able to draw 500 people tonight? And, uh, and they, they, they've discovered the hard way that it's just a very, very difficult market. And tell Nigel what happened, Sean. What, what did Impact have to do? So, so Bound for Glory on Sunday. Oh. Bound for Glory on Sunday, they did all right. Wasn't it like 500 people or so? Right? Yeah, some are saying 1,000, but from what I saw, it was configured for 100, or 500, not, not 100. Well, Ed Nordholm himself, so he was interviewed by the Ottawa Citizen a few weeks ago. He said they were hoping for 500 a night, and mm -hmm. that, that's what he said. So, Nigel, they did a pay-per-view on Sunday, got about 500 people, looked all right for TV, right? Right. First day of TV tapings was the next day, Monday. We think they drew 100, Sean? Uh, around 100. Around I mean, 100? some people are having... Like I say, conflicting reports, but that might be people within the company telling me just to right. kind of pump it up a little bit because I didn't see a whole lot of people there. Didn't right. see a whole lot of people. And it, it could also be the Vincent Man thing, where oh, we you know we're we're counting ticket takers and uh, concession yeah. people and whatever. So and tell the people in the back. Tell Nigel what happened when uh, so, when they Smith, drew a hundred people on Monday. Smith Casting, who worked with Anthem, posted a job listing for temp work, which was $50 a day to sit in the crowd and watch Impact. This isn't unheard of. I mean, WCW did it at center stage. I'm sure Lucha Underground, maybe Lucha Underground did a little bit, Wrestling Society X did it, but those were, that was like an MTV production. Yeah, That's not television out production. of the... Jane, Jimmy, this is, this pissed me off. It really pissed me off. Because of the budget cuts. John Pollock, one of the best at this, yeah. one of the best at this cut. Yeah. Robin Black, one of the best in MMA. We were fortunate enough to have him on a couple of Fightful podcasts. Yep. Cut. All those, all the referees. Who needs referees? We'll hire local guys. Yeah, how'd that work out in that Abyss Grado match when uh, the the timekeeper rang the bell early? How'd that work out? <sighs> it didn't work out too damn well, did it? Somebody, I had a wrestler text me and say how bad was bound for glory and i said oh it's a mixed bag and by that i mean a goddamn colostomy bag it sucked i didn't like it and uh if you go if you go to our review you'll see there are still some people who are hanging on we got more dislikes on that than anything i remember Hanging on, because meaning like uh, like they're loyal to, t to Impact. Loyal to Impact. They should be. They should be. Like, here's the thing. I don't – it is not my goal in life to sit here every week on this podcast shitting on Anthem Entertainment, right? Yeah. The re I, the I, reason I've, said, I've said it multiple times, Jimmy. We are better off if they're drawing 10.0 ratings. Right. Absolutely. We're racing our gold sailboats across the, the Pacific Ocean or something. Like, <laughs> Back on the gold sailboats. <laughs> hey, man, sailboats. I want to get hashtag water slide rich like Jimmy Van. So come so, on now. The reason that we talk about it is because the mistakes that they make, Sean, are, in my opinion, obvious, avoidable mistakes, right? 
That's what they are. Booking six weeks of TV or six days of TV straight in Ottawa was an obvious avoidable mistake. It was a mistake from the very beginning. I told you that's a, that's a tough sell. That's a tough market. They did zero research into that stuff, this stuff, Sean. Let me ask you a question. And actually, for one thing first. Did you hear anything about them attempting to paper the building before going to a casting agency with paid background actor opportunities? Have you heard anything about them trying to paper the building? No, I haven't. So then my first question is, why wouldn't they go that route first? I mean, maybe they did. I haven't heard that, though. I didn't hear anything like that. Uh, <sighs> so one of our listeners, Mark, who, who's in yeah, Ottawa, and I, I, I talked to him on Twitter a bit. He said that he bought tickets off Kijiji, which is kind of like a Canadian Craigslist. Mm -hmm. And I'd like him to tell us, were there any opportunities to get tickets for free? Because before you go with a casting agent for 50 bucks a pop, think about that. 100 people, that's five grand a day, Sean. Yeah. Five grand a day for 100 people. Why not try to pay for it for free first? Did they make any attempt? Did they have somebody on the street offering a pair of tickets to people? Save yourself. Because isn't it mind-blowing that the whole point from what we heard of picking that venue in that town was budgeting. They got a great deal on the venue. They wanted Canadian dollars because that makes sense with the U.S. dollar. But... Isn't it mind-blowing again, and how often do I use the term mind-blowing with Anthem, that they picked, the that, they picked that venue for six days because of budgeting, and now they're left paying potentially $5,000 or more a day to get people in the seats? Isn't so I want to know funny. if they papered it. Isn't it funny that probably the best promoter of this company over the last five years has been Billy Corgan? That's crazy. Yeah, maybe. maybe yeah. Who else? Who else, Jimmy? You got Aerolux, you got... <sighs> Dixie Carter and you got Anthem. I who, honestly who think I think Bischoff could have done okay if he hadn't have had Hogan in his ear so much. That's 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 the Achilles heel of Eric they Bischoff. They lost so much money, man. They did, but a lot of it was Hogan in his the, ear. The a product looked really good. Like yeah. the show looked really slick and really awesome, and I liked it. Like I mean, 2010, I was that when. Hogan and Bischoff took over, and I, I remember particularly against all odds, and it looked like Mr. Kennedy was going to – or Mr. Anderson at the time was just going to run the gambit and, and be the uh, – win this tournament. And Elijah Burke with, was this emerging baby face there, and he beat him. And I was like, wow, that's cool. This is really cool. I like the direction it's going. Mm -hmm. And there were some interesting storylines and a lot of people coming in and out, which Nasty Boys, Bubba the Love Sponge, yeah. not so hot. All Hogan's guys. Yeah. Yeah, they brought in Sean Morley who is still a good wrestler, but there were good and bad, but I think they blew so much money I can't put him I can't put them up there. Well, I, I think again he was listening to Hogan because I've I've seen a lot of interviews with Bischoff. Not that I want to go off on a tangent here, but I've seen a lot of interviews with Bischoff where he readily admitted that he made mistakes by listening to Hogan a lot. And bringing in guys that Hogan wanted and doing things Hogan wanted to do and all that. Um Okay, let me ask you this question, Sean. Let's say that you were a wrestler on the Impact roster, okay? And let's say that you were given two options for a week of TV tapings, okay? You were, you were given two options. Option number one, you're going to work six straight days in the same town, the same venue. You don't have to drive and put a, put a bunch of miles on a car. You don't have to go, you know, hotel to hotel, bed to bed. You can be in the same hotel every night. But uh, you're going to have 
maybe a, a small audience, maybe no audience, maybe a paid audience that's paid to be there. That's option one, okay? Option two, you're gonna work six days in six different towns, six different venues, six different hotels. You gotta do a little bit of driving from hotel to hotel, venue to venue, but you're gonna have a bigger crowd every night, you're gonna have a hotter crowd every night, and you're gonna have a crowd that probably paid to be there every night. If you're a wrestler on the Impact roster, what one of those would you choose? Whatever got me out of Impact Wrestling. You have to remember, a lot of these guys, this is still, they still strive to be great in Impact because maybe there are no opportunities for them in WWE. Maybe there are no opportunities for them in NXT. Maybe there are no opportunities for them in Ring of Honor. They're still looking at this as their opportunity. That's very right? true. That's very true. So, so let me say this. When this is all done, you can take this little clip, Sean. You can pull it out of this podcast. You can put it up as a separate clip. Tweet it to Ed Nordholm from Impact Wrestling. I'm going to tweet it to Ed Nordholm from Impact Wrestling because I'm going to do him a favor, all right? And I was joking to you about this. Normally, I charge management fees to do this kind of shit. I'm going to give him a little bit of guidance for free, all right? Now, once these tapings this week are in the can, Sean, because how much, how much, how many weeks worth of TV were they taping this week? A lot. Probably at least, at least a few months. At least a few extend, months. Enough to extend past James Storm's contract, I believe. Okay, so it's possible... It's conceivable that once everything in the can this week airs, maybe they're going to decide to wrap it up. That could happen, right? But if they decide, okay, it's time to go out and do another week of taping, right? And if they decide we're going to do it in Ontario, Canada again because this is our home base and it's the Canadian dollar, which is better for us and all that, right? I'm going to, I'm going to give a little advice to Ed Nordholm. I'm going to tell him this is how you do it right, Okay, so that number one, you're not looking like a fool paying a casting agency and then having them remove the tweets like they didn't exist. Right? Yeah, and, and they, they went private on their Twitter too. Right, so that's, that's number one. You don't look like a fool for that. Number two, you don't kill morale by cutting loose everybody. Number three, you don't go in budget, 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 and then you're paying an extra potentially five grand or more a day to, to a casting agency. Here's what you do. So there's a major highway, Sean, in Canada called the 401. Right, mm -hmm. and it runs through the province of Ontario, east to west. Okay, on the east side is where Ottawa is. Right along the yes. 401, Toronto is kind of sort of central, uh, and then west of Toronto are some big towns you might have heard of, like Hamilton and Burlington and London, Ontario. Right. So here's what you do. The first thing you do if you're Ed Nordholm or whoever the hell's handling this for Ed Nordholm, first thing you do is you look at what towns along the 401 in Ontario does WWE hit with regularity. That's number one. Okay. Number two, yes. what what towns along that along that highway have their own local television and their own local radio, so that they'll plug your show and maybe you can bring a guy on for an interview or whatever, right? Yes. That's where I would start. And there's a whole bunch of them, Sean. There's Ottawa. There's Kingston. There's Peterborough. There's Oshawa. There's Hamilton. There's Burlington. There's London. There's Kitchener. All these towns are on the WWE map. All of these towns are only within, Nigel, you know, an hour's drive from one to the next. Yeah, pretty much. They're not that far apart, right? And all these towns... I thought towns, you all took dog sleds everywhere up there. Okay, you've been here now, so you can't be ignorant anymore, Sean. Because <laughs> you've been here <laughs> now. I've been to Ottawa. Well, okay, fine. You'll it's not, fly me up for your kid's birthday party? It's You're not... at the Aberdeen Pavilion? Admittedly, it's not <laughs> Toronto. You know what? My rental, my rental probably wasn't too far off from whatever deal they got. Yeah. I bet you... I bet you. Well, before the casting call. Before the casting yeah. call. So here's what you do. Here's what you do. Because these towns are not Toronto, your costs are not going to be that much greater than they would be 
as they are in Ottawa, right? And Nigel, you can attest for this. If you get in a hotel in Peterborough, if you get in a hotel in Hamilton, it's no different than Ottawa, really. No, right? not really. It's it's minimal, right? I only stay in five star hotels when I'm in. Yes, on, yes, you know. yes. You're very fortunate. <laughs> you're very fortunate. Now, I don't know what they do for production. Like, have you heard about what are they doing for production in Ottawa? Are they using a local production crew from Ottawa? Are they using Demora's people from Windsor? Have you heard about that? I have not, but I can I can ask that. I did ask the few things, and there are a couple guys that are okay. So rooming did, together and things yeah. like that. There are some people that have their own rooms. Some people that just went and bought their own. So. Yep, yep. Okay, well, I'm sure that they could very easily get a road crew, like a production crew, that would either do the whole week with them, or you get one for the east side from a crew in Ottawa, you get one on the west side from a, from a crew in Toronto, whatever. It's very easy to do, right? I even went so far as to look up rental car costs, Sean. You can, get yeah. a, you can get a decent SUV through Enterprise for $80 Canadian a day. Wow. Almost the price of a casting call getting an ass in the seat for one night, right? Yeah. So this is what you do, Mr. Ed Nordholm, if you decide that you want oh, to do oh, a thing again. It's not like you can only put one guy in that SUV. Exactly, right? You can put four or five in there, send them to the exactly. town every Exactly, yeah. exactly. So this is what you do, Mr. Ed Nordholm. This is what you do. You start your week in Ottawa, just like you did, right? You fly everybody into Ottawa. You do a show in Ottawa. Then you work your way west. Whether you're doing Kingston, whether you're doing Peterborough, whether you're doing Oshawa, whether you're doing Hamilton, London, Kitchener, all these towns that WWE hits, all these towns that have TV, all these towns that are big enough that you're going to be able to find a venue with a thousand capacity and you're probably going to be able to get at least a few hundred a night paid in these places, right? At the end of the week, you fly them home from Toronto. Your costs are going to be about the same as what they were. You're going to have better crowds. You're going to have different venues. You're going to have higher morale. And I honestly believe, Sean, that, again, the reason that they picked Ottawa for the whole week, aside from the fact that they were looking at budgets, they picked Ottawa for the whole week because they were lazy. They picked Ottawa for the whole week because it was a lot less effort to pick one venue and one hotel and book the whole week out as opposed to having to locate six different venues and six different hotels and all that. That's why they picked Ottawa. They were lazy. They didn't want to put in the effort. They didn't want to put in the work. And now they're they're left in the situation that they're in. So if you want to go back and do it again, do it right. That's how you do it. You're welcome. I should send you a bill, but I'm not going to do it. But I just don't fuck it up. You know what I mean? I want people to have jobs, Sean. I don't want Anthem or I don't want Impact to close down. I know a lot of the guys are disenchanted now and stuff like that. But let me tell you, there are still a lot of guys on that roster that want it to work and they want to be there. Oh yeah. Right. So that's what you do. Uh, you're welcome. I, I haven't seen James Storm look as motivated in a very long time. He looks like he's he wants to be top guy in the world. Like he's and his contract's about up. And NXT Maybe. NXT didn't go the way he hoped it would. I mean that's just how yeah. it is. I saw the picture of EC three that I think you posted, and he yeah. looked he looked like he wanted to be in a different time zone, right? But the difference between EC three and a lot of other guys is that there will be interest in EC three. Right, but very, yeah. very much like when WCW went out of business, a lot of those guys aren't going to have another option, and that's just how it yeah. is, right? And 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 to the referee thing for a minute, uh, because uh, you mentioned this. So prior to Bound for Glory, it was announced that Brian Stifler, Earl Hebner, and Brian Hebner were all uh, uh, all parted ways with the company. I actually did not have a big issue with that. Uh, the reason I didn't have a big issue with that, aside from maybe using Earl, because Earl's got a little bit of name recognition. I didn't have a big issue with, with that because the, the referees at the end of the day don't draw. Sure. And if you can bring in a guy from Ottawa, there are wrestling promotions that, that work Ottawa, right? So if you can get a guy from Ottawa and pay him 100 bucks a day, Canadian, as opposed to Earl Hebner, who probably made, what do you think, 
500 US a night, yeah. 750 US I a don't night. Know about a night. I don't know about a night. Oh, I bet you he did to travel to Ottawa for the week. I bet you. Well, That's what okay, he would cost, maybe. right? I don't blame him for doing that at all. Uh, the, the whole thing with the with the the bell ringing early in the uh, abyss match wasn't that the timekeeper, not the referee? Yes. So I don't have a big issue with 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 them doing that. But uh, again, to book that venue six days in a row and not realize, holy shit, we're not drawing 500 people a night for six straight days. Like, wow, that's a that's a that's a that's a shocker. You know? Well, I know who's doing great business right now. The Bullet Club. And I was fortunate enough to speak to Bullet Club's uh, Adam Hangman Page, who is a big character on Being the Elite. Uh, he's talked to me a little bit about the upcoming Ring of Honor dates and the Bullet Club invasion, as well as Jimmy Jacobs, who just debuted on Impact Wrestling recently. So check it out, my friends. So uh, your buddy, well, former buddy, maybe maybe current buddy again, Jimmy Jacobs, he's kind of reemerged on the scene in part <laughs> due to that situation. I love the integration of that. I spoke with Ian Riccoboni a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about how important the integrating being the elite storylines has been and how you all just weave everything in and out, in and out. Uh, this was, you all kind of double dipped there. You were, able, you were able to capitalize off of a newsworthy situation that you guys created in the first place, put something on pay-per-view in Jimmy Jacobs showing up, then run it on being the elite as well. Um, how far before that do you all find out like, okay, we're going to put Jimmy Jacobs on all this after all that's happened? Uh, yeah, it's pretty fly-by-night <laughs> type of stuff. Uh, we usually don't have much of a plan until the day of, you know what I mean? Um, I, I'm not sure at what point someone pulled strings somewhere to get Jimmy Jacobs to the building. Uh, but once he's there, you know, that day, that afternoon of the pay-per-view, we didn't know exactly what we were going to do, but he's here. Um, you know, we're figuring out that the day of. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that was kind of – that was my suggestion to, to you know, have – you know, we're going to take a selfie at the end of the, we had done, you know, four day tour there. We're going to take a selfie at the end and nobody had a camera and Jimmy be the guy to do it. Um, which was perfectly fitting. Um, but yeah, all that kind of stuff has been real fly by night and we're really glad to, you know, have Jimmy there and do something with him because he's, um, I think he's at different parts of our career. He's always been a great friend to all of us. You know, I worked with him, um, when I kind of, you know, my first few years in ring of honor in the decade, um, he's a creative genius. And he helped me through, you know, a lot getting started there in Ring of Honor. Um, so we're glad to to have him. And from a character perspective, do you think Hangman Page would rather be side by side with Jimmy Jacobs or across the ring from him? Because you've been plenty. Like I remember uh, Glory by Honor, and there you worked against him and Whitmer at a set of TV tapings, and even on the I think 13th anniversary show, you all tagged together. Right. Uh, I would rev I would revel in either. You know what I mean. Um, I, Jimmy is a creative genius, um, so to work against a creative genius uh, is a challenge, which which it helps. Uh, but working with one is also a challenge. You know what I mean. Um, but probably I'd say same side of the ring. What was your opinion on how that unfolded that situation with Jimmy Jacobs and WWE? Um, you know, I'll be honest. It, it wasn't surprising to me um, because, you know, we were there uh, poking the bear uh, and an employee of the company, you know, came out and, you know, was friendly with and took a picture with 
uh, and posted a picture with the people who were there to poke the bear. Um, so I wasn't surprised. I knew, you know, when he came out and said hello, I thought that was dangerous in itself. And then he took a picture and I thought, well, you know, okay, fine, just don't post it anywhere. Certainly we agreed we wouldn't uh, retweet it or, you know, uh, we wouldn't post the footage of them coming up to us just because we, we weren't going to get him in trouble. Um, but, you know, that was in his own hands. Um, and I'm sure he knew, he knew what he was doing. Um, so, you know, I, re- I regret that that had to happen, but, you know, I think, I think he knew what he was doing. Yeah. He seems pretty happy as of now. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out. I'm really excited to see because this it's, it's a unique time in pro wrestling right now. So before before we wrap up, I know that uh, Ring of Honor is about to kick off another leg of, of their tour. What has 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 the schedule increased for you for as it pertains to Ring of Honor as well? Uh, like I said, you've you've reached a higher profile. You're an important part of this show. Uh, what has that meant for your schedule personally? Yeah, um, yeah, I want to put over these these dates coming up. We've got um, you know Florida dates not this weekend but the following weekend and. Uh, Lakeland and Fort Lauderdale, those should be awesome. Um, Kenny Omega will be there. We've got uh, Texas dates. I actually won't be at the Texas dates. Uh, do a bit of a scheduling conflict. Um, but those should be great. San Antonio in particular should be fantastic. Uh, the rest of them as well. I know they're doing uh, Oklahoma, I think, that, that weekend too. So yes. check those out. Um, but, yeah, the, the schedule, um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, and I don't know um, – but I do know my perception of it. It seems like we're running a lot more, um, and maybe it's just because in earlier points in my career I wasn't on all of the shows, but now I'm on all of them. And maybe at different points in my career I wasn't as busy on those show days, and now you know every show day you know, is just a literal not from the time I get out of the bed in the morning until if – I, if I get to go to sleep until then, it's just nonstop, uh, just pandemonium. Um, but it seems like the schedule has picked up a ton, uh, which is good news for everybody. There's more work. Yeah, you all are in New York uh, on December 15th for Final Battle. Uh, Philadelphia the following night for TV taping, so that's going to be, I'm sure, big for you guys. Uh, Final Battle always is. Uh, tell people where they can follow you on social media. For sure, yeah. Um, Final Battle, you know that New York and Philadelphia, that should be great. That's going to wrap up the year for us. We'll be able to be home with our families for Christmas, uh, which is great. And uh, We always uh, thank the fans for supporting us, you know, with Ring of Honor so that we can have a career that allows us, you know, that time at home with our families um, at Christmas. Uh, for social media, I am on Twitter, at uh, the Adam Page. Um, I am on Instagram. I, I don't know the Instagram handle. I'll be honest with you. I haven't used it in a while. I, I Every couple of months just post a, a random photo of something totally non-related to wrestling, and I'm pretty sure no one believes it's actually my real account, uh, but it's out there somewhere. If you find it, it's really me. Uh, I have a web, website. It's uh, adampagewrestling.com. I have some of uh, my own merchandise and stuff on there, um, and also I have links to uh, my T-shirt's on Pro Wrestling Tees, which is ProWrestlingTees.com slash Adam Page. Uh, and I believe that's all my social particulars. All right, you guys are back. We have more from Hangman Page coming up in the coming weeks. But what do you think it says about that situation that 
they even they were like, hey, Jimmy, maybe don't post this. Uh, not Jimmy, not Jimmy Van, because you're yeah. going to post it no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> but so actually, somebody in the live chat said, Jimmy Van beat the shit out of Hacksaw Jim Duggan for no showing. Okay. I just want your response to that. that that's the. That's our demographic, Jimmy. I guess. Talking uh, about you as a promoter. As a promoter? Yeah. Oh, Duggan never no-showed. I know. Duggan was on point. He was always good. Ribbing you, Jimmy. Uh, yeah. You're ribbing you. Yeah, yeah. You can laugh there. Ha okay. uh-huh. So I want to say one thing about Adam Page. So yeah. I saw this interview, uh, or I read this, listened to this interview, and you made a reference that was, uh, it was almost a subtle shot at me, so I want to address it. You talked about the Young Bucks in that interview, and you uh-huh. said you said the people that don't like the Young Bucks are the ones that don't get it. Oh, yeah. And oh, no, I, no, 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 no. The ones that say, all they do is super kicks and they're indie darlings. That's All right. Because I do get it. Go let you in on a secret. That's the gimmick. I know that. <laughs> I know that. This is, this is why I want to bring it up because I do get it. And I get that it's kind of like a parody and they got Tice with their pictures all over them and stuff. I get it. I still think it's stupid. That's just my personal opinion. I'm not into the bucks. But I am impressed by their business acumen because mm-hmm. is there any other act right now outside of WWE that has been able to utilize the internet and sell merchandise and do any, everything the way that them and the Bullet Club have done? It's been very impressive. So I, uh, and- I give them props for that. And they gave me the term water slide rich. So, <laughs> oh, did they really? Yeah. Okay. So, why don't you say the the breaking news you got? It's November eighth today. What's the breaking news that you got? Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn sent home from the UK tour. Uh, no reason given yet, but hmm. that is uh, they they. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Left the tour this morning. Uh, and early on, I'm hearing that it's like, like, dis- like I don't want to say disciplinary, um, but that's... I've seen that term used, but it, they, they don't seem like the something. type. They don't seem like yeah, the I type. Know. Unless know. maybe because they are good buds. Maybe they just uh, had a little bit too much fun or something. Although Owens has a reputation for being like hotel bound and stuff like that. Like he's yes. not a big partier. So yeah, and uh, actually, I just saw that Ryan Satin actually used that word disciplinary, and I'm getting messages from people in WWE that said they were sent home. That's all we can say right now. Okay. Not good. Okay, interesting. And, uh, interesting. I was like, oh man. 
So let's move on and talk about the, the Jericho New Japan deal. So yeah. uh, I, I, it was only a week or two ago that you and I spoke about the Twitter feud with Jericho and Omega. It happened on October 20th when uh, Jericho posted on Twitter. He said, regarding Kenny Omega, he said, best in the world, Kenny Omega isn't even the best in Winnipeg. Hashtag overrated. And Omega responded, well, geez, what can I say? Never meet your heroes, folks, lest they be a corporate stooge. At the time that, that was posted, we talked about it, and I said to you, this has got to be a work because Jericho, that's out of character for him. Uh, yeah. And you and you said, yeah, it's it's probably a work. I feel like Jericho tipped his hat to what ended up happening because uh, I don't have the date here, but he started uh, posting on Twitter, kind of suggesting a feud with him and Omega. He was talking about Guido and about he was tag partners with Guido uh, and all that. Uh, it was on November 3rd. I got it right here. November 3rd on Twitter, Jericho posted, Hey, Kenny Omega, you know I was your boss, Guido's tag partner. I make one phone call and your little New Japan Pro Wrestling push ends. Now that to me was a tip of the hat yeah. when, he, when, he, when he did that. So what happened was on November 5th, last Sunday, uh, at Power Struggle uh, in Japan, at the New Japan show, Omega had just beat Trent Beretta, defended the IWGP US title, was basically talking about how you know, he's beaten all comers or whatever. Jericho appears on a video, pulls up a picture of Omega's picture, tears it in half, uh, and now they've announced that Wrestle Kingdom on January 4th at the Tokyo Dome, Jericho's going to challenge Omega. Um, it seems like the internet wrestling community has blown up over this. I, I was joking with Sean about it. it. It's almost like Andre the Giant came back from the dead. The way that the internet wrestling community is. To me, it's not that big of a deal. Like, it just isn't. Jericho is a free agent. He doesn't have a WWE contract. And I think that people are kidding themselves if they think that he didn't talk to WWE first. I think there's very little chance that he just went ahead and did that and didn't give them a heads up first. So uh, how is this well, such a massive deal? Good for Jericho. Good for Omega. But who cares? They're well, doing a match. Yeah, boy revealed some details on the Monday Night Raw post show. Jericho did go to WWE, and from what I understand and what WWE is under the impression of, at least some within the company, Jericho went to WWE to try to get NXT on his cruise next year. Yeah. Not only did they say no, but they gave him a meeting and spent his time to tell him why they wouldn't do it and why it didn't fit them. And he was like, really? You're wasting my time? by tell You could have just told me no. could have sent an email and said no. <clears throat> and then around that time, he got... Um, he saw McGregor Mayweather blowing up, and he wanted to do that on his own scale. So he reached out to Ring of Honor, saw if they saw if they would be on his cruise. They said yes. He was like, all right, then. I've spent the last 15, 20 years telling everybody I'll never work for anybody but Vince McMahon. I've been very loyal to them. If they've needed me, I've came in. I've done stuff. I mean, he showed up just to do Southpaw Regional Wrestling a few yep. months ago uh, when the the – day of the Toronto trip actually and then they got him to wrestle another match use up his rematch clause so I kind of see that at least that's what the WWE or some within the company are under the impression that that's how it went down because it and that would make a lot of sense it, he, would, he it would he doesn't seem like a petty dude but he does seem like a kind of guy that would be like alright well if you're not going to return the favor then I'm going to do my own thing and more power to him for it I think it's going to help um, American subscriptions to New Japan World, sure, uh, sure. from what I also understand, they're looking for other methods to show this, to run this show in America. Right. Uh, I get the feeling it ain't going to be with Jeff Jarrett. I was again. just going to say that. <laughs> yeah, probably not Jeff Jarrett. Even though Jarrett it again. did really well, it did do very yeah, well for yeah. them. 
I, uh, I'm sure that, I mean, Jericho is smart. He's not going to burn a bridge. I'm sure he at least informed Hunter that, he was, that he's going to do this. And when you think about why he's doing it, it makes a lot of sense. Omega's from Winnipeg. Omega's really come along over the last year. I'm sure Jericho and Omega would love to have a match. Then it's going to be at the Tokyo, uh, Tokyo Dome. Jericho's got a history with Japan. It all makes sense that he would want to do the match. It makes sense that Omega would want the match. And because Ring of Honor is going to be on the cruise, you've got that goodwill too. So yeah. the whole thing makes sense, but I definitely do not think this is a fuck you to WWE at all. And there's, I've read a lot of comments from people saying, oh my God, look what Jericho did to WWE. I say bullshit on that. He didn't do anything to WWE. No, but some people are acting like he went behind their back and uh, all that. I mean, Jimmy, and then, that's like me saying, it's like somebody saying, look what you did to what culture when you signed with Fightful, Sean. <laughs> like, bro, I ain't been there in a while. Yeah. I didn't work there. Like... He, Jericho didn't work there anymore just because he's got this little scratch your back, I'll scratch yours type of agreement doesn't mean he can't do his own thing. Yeah. The thing is, like, we were looking at late 2018 of being Daniel Bryan coming back and mm -hmm. giving them a shot in the arm. And I know that one of the Jacksons is always nagging CM Punk to uh, to do something with them. Mm -hmm. So they've got that little seed planted there as well. But I mean, throwing in Jericho, that certainly can't hell or hurt. Sure. He's not, he's not the Jericho that he was, but yep. he is coming off a wildly popular run. Yeah. So, yeah. One of his best actually. So, so that's awesome. I got to bring this one up, Sean. Sure. Um, after TLC, when Braun Strowman looked to have turned babyface. Uh, you were joking because remember uh, the next podcast after that I said he better remain Braun Strowman they better not screw with that character and you were joking around about how oh no he's going to be in there saying I'm doing this for you WWE Universe and for all you people <laughs> so I got to tell you Raw on Monday I saw some subtle changes in Braun Strowman and I got to tell you if you those... put me in a garbage truck well that was actually pretty funny very fun. But did you see when he came out and he stopped on the stage and he did one of these and he looked at the crowd like this, which he's never done before, and then he got in the ring and not only did he do it again, not only did he look at the crowd, but he started nodding like this. And I watched that going, WWE, don't fuck it up. Because... Fair, he does seem like the kind of guy that would be like, you like me tearing shit up? Well, I'm going to tear some more shit up. Yeah, but you know that that was, I think that was a directive for him to go out and look oh. at the crowd and all that. Right, so they better not screw that up, man. They've already screwed up Shinsuke Nakamura. They've already screwed up Bailey. Don't screw up Braun Strowman too, because the guy got over because of how he is. Right? Yeah. So don't be stupid with that. Let's go to stupid news, Nigel. This is a stupid song. It just goes on and on. You might find some meaning, but you would be wrong. All right. So today I picked two. Let me cut you off. I was under the impression we weren't doing this segment because I thought we did this already when we talked about Anthem. I could have done the whole thing just about Ed Nordholm. But, uh, yeah. uh, and you know what? I should on Ed Nordholm a lot, and I know he's kind of the head of, uh, of Impact, but there's others. And I actually thought to myself, I'm not going to go on a tangent, but I thought to myself, Scott Demore is a part of Impact. He should know this shit. Yeah. Like, why aren't they using him as a resource for this stuff, you know? I'll, Whatever. I'll talk about. I'll talk. I'll talk a little bit about that after this segment. Okay. So first off, thanks to Trevor Strong, <laughs> TrevorStrong.org. Check out. Uh, check that out uh, for the usage of the stupid song. Now today, two of the stories that I picked, uh, 
One of them I picked kind of for Nigel, and the other I picked kind of for you, Sean. All right? Okay. Uh, and this first one uh, that I kind of picked for Nigel, I chose this one because this is an example of bullshit, bullshit bureaucratic red tape. Yeah? That's an example. Uh, and this is why I picked it. And as a father myself, this pissed me off. So it was reported by WTSP 10 News at a Tampa Bay on uh, October 13 that a two-year-old boy from Atlanta named Anthony Dickerson Jr. was born without kidneys and is in dire need of a transplant. All right. His father is a 100% match and his father is a willing donor. Okay, That should be the end of the story, right? Yeah. Uh, his dad violated probation in September on a charge of possession of a firearm. And so the hospital treating the boy, which is Emory Hospital in Atlanta, Georgia, they decided that they want to wait for the father to be reevaluated by his parole officer three months later, because he, he violated it in September, three months of January. The hospital wants to wait to hear from the probation officer after he's reevaluated in January before they'll decide whether or not they're going to let the surgery happen. Okay? This boy needs it badly, he's very ill. Uh, it was reported by Fox News on October 29th that he was rushed to hospital at one point with an abdominal infection related to the fact he doesn't have kidneys. Um, yeah. The father has been released from uh, custody when he, was, when he was pulled back in because of the violation. He was released from custody, so he's out, ready to go. And the hospital's like, nope, going to wait until January when you meet again with your parole officer. That is fucking bullshit, Sean. Bullshit. I just want to say I agree, but there's a reason you're the businessman and I'm the investigative journalist. It ain't tough to see what's going on here. Yeah. The dad was trying to John Q these people. I was thinking that. He had a gun. <laughs> he was about to run up in a hospital in an ER and say, sons of bitches, give me your kidneys. I was thinking that. I was thinking that. Now, I'm, I'm fortunate that I have, a, I have a two healthy children. If one of my children was this kid, I don't even want to think about what I would do because I would probably annihilate a doctor if somebody told me, sorry, man, you got to wait till January because I want to see what your parole officer says first. Utter nonsense. Uh, and they're penalizing an innocent two-year-old kid because of this. So that's oh, We're the, doing that operation in a hotel bathroom with the tub filled with ice. That's be, the situation. It'd be happening. It'd be <laughs> happening. Yeah. It would be life or death for the surgeon, Sean. Let me tell you. Oh, yeah. So that's the first story. Uh, this second one, oh, this is a good one too. Fuck, people are so stupid, Sean. This is why this exists, man. It was reported by Newsweek on November 2nd. The White House is appointing a new advisor to the EPA, which is the Environmental Protection Agency. His name is Robert Fallon. He's an air pollution researcher at the Irvine campus at the University of California. Fallon is expected to argue for less environmental regulation, less environmental regulation, which is an agenda backed by the administrator of the EPA, a guy by the name of Scott Pruitt. Now, back in 2012, this Robert Fallon was interviewed by uh, something called the AAAS, the American Association for the Advancement of Science. And you know what he told them back in 2012? He said the air is too clean. He said, he said in 2012, and this is a direct quote, modern air is a little too clean for optimum health. He said children need to breathe irritants so that their bodies learn how to ward them off. So, Jimmy, bring on the carbon dioxide, Sean. Bring it on, man. You instructed me to not get too political. But I'm just going to say, that's a slow Tuesday for the White House. <laughs> <laughs> that's a slow. You know what I heard on the radio this week? What's that? Linda McMahon, small business supervisor. Yeah. Giving some tips. Yeah. Oh, her. that's been known for a while now. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. How about yeah. Betsy DeVos? 
Who's that? Oh yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Go look her up. Okay. She might re- she might resign though. But you think? Uh, okay, this is not a religion. This or this is not a political podcast. Oh look, you you've done so many religious based ones that you <laughs> default. So this is not yeah, a but, religious podcast. But I'm not shitting on the religion. I'm I'm shitting on stupid people within the religion. It's well, different. Hey, man, it, I'm not going to shit on the president because then you're you're killing half your audience. So I'm not going to do that, Sean. Yeah. All right. Number three, this is reported by the Chicago Sun-Times. I picked this one for you because I know that there are certain stories about certain content that re- you really appreciate. And so this yeah. one's for you. About but duty? It was reported – I get close. It was okay. reported by the Chicago Sun-Times on November 2nd that a 19-year-old man named Tarion Pouncey accidentally shot himself in the penis after <laughs> – He cheddar-bobbed himself. Nigel, I told you he'd like it. Didn't I say, Nigel? <laughs> yep. So he accidentally shot himself in the penis, and it's kind of funny how he went about it. So he decided to hold up a hot dog stand. (laughs) So he didn't hold up, say, a jewelry store or something. He held up a hot dog stand. He held up... Plaxico Burris? What's that? Was it Plaxico Burris? Might as well. He held up... NFL player spent 20 months in jail after he shot himself at a club. Well, this one's... His gun was in his sweatpants. Okay. So this guy held up two vendors at gunpoint. They passed him the tip bucket, which contained singles. The tip bucket fell over. Bills went flying. This kid bent over to collect the cash on the, off the ground. Uh, he had the gun in his waistband. It shifted, and it went off. Shot him in the penis. He's recovering in hospital as of last Thursday, and he faces two counts of armed robbery. That is a phenomenon known as Cheddar Bobbing. You know what? Do you know who Cheddar Bob is? I do not. You ever watched the movie Eight Mile? Uh, no, I have not seen that movie. It's worth it's worth a watch. Uh, Eminem's friend in the movie shoots himself in the leg. And since you bring up a hot dog stand, I don't know when we're going to talk about hot dog stands. <laughs> so let me share a story. On occasion, I corner some of the fighters from my team. If one of the main coaches can't make it or something like that, they'll send me in another person there. Uh, myself and our strength, con- strength and conditioning coach had to do that while our coaches were off training somewhere. We were booked at a place called Dale's Hot Dog Stand in Richmond, Kentucky, which is like more of a bar that I think started off as a as a hot dog stand. But at this fight, this should tell you all you need to know about commissions. They approved and licensed two amateur women, at least 200 pounds each, to mm. fight. So now I can always say that I watched two 200-pound women's fight at a hot dog stand. That's 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 the that's the the state of state athletic commissions that they approve that type of stuff. There you it go. It was terrible. There yep. was a party going on next door. So did you see? Uh... Pat Fannin tells me that Dale's hot dog stand burned down. Oh, I'm shocked. That's a when that's a. Crammed... You didn't see that coming as part of the story. I didn't. Oh. Stupid people. You have to look it up. In a sketchy fire, he says. Well, okay, okay. So did you see Ric Flair's uh, Thirty for Thirty documentary? I did. What'd you think of it? I haven't seen it yet. Ah, yeah. Was it good? It's pretty good. It I was heard... an hour and a half. It's tough to do that in an hour and a half, man. I heard it was Rick full Flair's of fallacies. Story. I'm sure, yeah, but it wasn't meant for me and you. It was yeah. meant for people tuning into ESPN. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. That's cool. I heard. Uh, I heard Taker was uh, featured at out of character. Is that true? Yeah, it looked good. Looked yeah. healthy. Looked happy. All yeah. his wits about him. He looked really good. I saw a picture of him with Mark Henry hanging out in Texas. 
Yeah. And Taker's, I mean, he looks like Taker. You know what I mean? He was looking all yeah. right. So uh, I want to talk about one of my favorite underutilized performers in WWE. One of your favorites, too, because we both have put him over. Rusev. Yeah. All right? Um, it's a shame how he's being utilized, uh, underutilized. I will say I'm, I'm loving the Rusev Day stuff they're doing right now. Uh, but it's pretty clear that they're kind of leading him into the world of enhancement talent. I, don't, I can't recall the last time he won a match on television. Uh, so they're leading him into the world of enhancement talent. He was asked on Twitter this week, will WWE be releasing 2018 calendars that are corrected to show that every day is Rusev Day? And Rusev responded and he said, there will be something released next year, that's for sure. They should. Do you think he's done next year in WWE? I think uh, I think oh, that's. Oh, I thought you, I thought you meant the calendar. No, no, he's, I think he's a that's, troll, man. No way, he's a troll. You think he that is he, a super troll? You think he's happy with what's going on there? You think he's content with that? He's getting that total divas check too, Jimmy. Uh, how much do they get for that? They get some good money off that. Define good money. Not water slide money. <laughs> is he at least getting six and figures he's out of that? He's already got a water slide, so what's it matter? Does he? Does Rusev have a water slide? I'm sure he does. Rusev, he is such a. How many times have we if heard? If you're Rusev, you've been in the WWE for three or four years. Your wife's getting that check too. Your wife is Lana. Yeah. You got a water slide at your house. Yeah, his life's got to be pretty good. Water slide. His life's got to be pretty good. I uh, we've talked about how the best performers are the ones that are themselves with the volume turned up, right? And you always hear that. And you see Rusev whenever he posts videos on social media, he is so funny, you know. And he's got like like good comedic timing, and he's self-deprecating. And I saw a video of him one time. He was driving in his car, and he was singing "Friends in Low Places" by Garth Brooks. Yep. Imagine Rusev, who's legitimately from Bulgaria, in his car singing a country song. By Garth Brooks, it was it was about what you'd expect it to be. I wish they would utilize more of that. At least we're starting to see it with Rusev Day a little bit. But I wish they would utilize more of that personality because the guy is funny, man. Yes. He yeah, he's he's a, he's a gold mine in my opinion. Yeah. As a babyface or a heel, he's taken off. I like him a lot, and I wish they'd put him back with with Lana because again, everybody knows they're married. So put them back together. They work yeah. better as a as a pairing. Although again, Aiden English, it's funny having him singing the jingles and stuff. Have but, him uh, there too. Why not? Have him, yeah, you could. You could. <laughs> so, uh, War Games. I want to know what you think of this, man. So, uh, November 18th, uh, from Houston, NXT TakeOver, live on the WWE Network. They're going to be doing the War Games match. Uh, normally, it's two teams of five. That's what they've done in the past. Two rings, one big cage. This time, it's three teams of three. Uh, Sanity is one team, Undisputed Era is one team, and the Authors of Pain and Roderick Strong is the third team. They announced the rules. Uh, they're slightly different than how they used to be before. Do you want to quickly go over them? And I'm, I'm curious what you think of the rules compared to how they were back in the day. I'm cool with the pinfall and submission. It was always like well, that. Well, they, they had the thing where you had to submit. Oh, wasn't it submit or surrender? Submit or surrender. Right. That I didn't like that. Right. And... So, it could be a mess. It could be a real mess. A lot of those matches were. I'm okay with the, the, the three tags. I'm, I was always surprised they never did it in an elimination chamber. I thought that's the way they would get make it WWE's. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because on, on, even on the video games, they had elimination chamber tag matches that were... It was war games. Mm -hmm. That's what it was. 
because you would start off with two guys and you would have four teammates they would release every so often. Right. And you've got a chamber there. You don't have to deal with some dumbass shark cage. Right. You have a structure. You don't have to deal with two rings. It's big enough to fit everybody in there. Uh, it's good from a production standpoint because you're familiar with it, mm-hmm. especially with the changes they made this year. I love the changes they made to War Games this year. Uh, they made it safer for the wrestlers Elimination and more chamber, for the viewers. Elimination yeah. Chamber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was surprised they didn't do it that way. I, you know, I think it'll end up being fine. I think that show is going to be awesome, especially for the live viewer who gets Johnny Gargano and Pete Dunne, who I want to talk about in a minute too. But I think that show is going to be a great show, but you have to wonder visually how that will play out for viewers because cage matches can be tricky for crowd reaction. Yeah, yeah, I guess we'll see how they do it. I mean, I, I like the whole two-ring thing. It's a nice visual. Uh, I remember back in the day watching the old War Games. It was a little awkward because the guys would have to leave one ropes and then enter enter another ropes because yeah. there's ropes, ropes. And that was a little bit awkward, but uh, it's interesting. Do you remember the old uh, Sid Vicious Irish Whip with Rick Steiner? Do you remember that? Yep. Uh, anybody that hasn't seen the old War Games before, Sid Vicious, he failed to recognize that there was a cameraman like right there. And he had Rick Steiner in the corner, and he's, he's about to Irish whip Rick Steiner across. And before he does, he looks at him and he goes, are you ready? Are you good? Okay, let's go. And then he Irish whipped him. And this was in the era before, you know, yeah. the, before the veal was pulled back, right? So I thought, I thought that was interesting. The veal? Yeah. You said the veal was pulled back. Whatever. Veal. Who cares? Whatever. Isn't veal like baby cows that you eat? Well, I guess maybe they pulled the cow back, Sean. Damn. In that case. Now, I want to ask Damn. you what you think of this. So the same, I believe it's the same night uh, as War Games, Ring of Honor has a show booked in San Antonio, and they had that show booked first, Ring of Honor did, before NXT booked War Games. Uh, so NXT kind of stole their thunder a little bit. In an attempt to kind of, I guess, get one back at WWE, Ring of Honor has announced that Stephen Amell, who's the star of Arrow, is going to appear at the Ring of Honor show because him and Cody Rhodes now are buddies ever since they did an angle together in WWE. I thought that was an interesting – I don't think it's going to mean much, but I thought, it was, I thought it was an interesting thing that they did where Amell and Cody now are tight enough that he's going to do that outside WWE. San Antonio, uh, yeah, getting a nice little wrestling weekend there. That's not bad. Uh, and they got the Adam Cole – versus Drew McIntyre match with Shawn Michaels refing it on the NXT show. Yeah, I mean, fair fair game. Stack those shows up. It seems like like right now, because every time Ring of Honor goes on their loops and stuff, it it seems like things are more active than, than they really are. But mm-hmm. I don't blame them. Hey, if you can call in that favor, why not do it? I don't think it'll put any more asses in seats. I don't think so. I'm not so. an Arrow fan, so I'm not really qualified to judge that. And it might get them a little bit of... Uh mainstream press yeah right and maybe I, he joins the bullet club never know he might yeah arrow right. and bullet yeah maybe arrow club there, maybe he starts an arrow club arrow club oh man they could do shirts for that shit well it's possible. We, we need to call sinclair and get we, we need to cut this clip out and get there <laughs> you're welcome so uh john morrison i've talked before on a couple of occasions about how difficult the independent scene is uh, and how some guys think uh, leaving WWE, oh, I've got a lot of name recognition, I'm going to go to the independents and make a killing, and it doesn't happen. Uh, And I've talked about how guys like the Young Bucks are the exception, not the norm, 
right, outside of WWE. John Morrison uh, was interviewed by ESPN.com on October 18th. I just saw this, uh, this clip, but he was interviewed by ESPN.com. Now, he left WWE in November of 2011, all right, so six years ago. Uh, here's a quote from that ESPN.com interview. He said, I thought things were going to go much better, much faster. I worked on Boone for five years. That was his uh, straight-to-DVD movie that he produced. I tried to find money for it. I couldn't. I ended up selling my house to finance it personally. Lucha didn't start until 2014. Impact I just started with. I feel like I've been busting my ass since I left WWE to create opportunities. There are some things I did that I'm proud of that didn't take off. I've tried to keep in mind throughout this whole journey. Instead of taking the path of least resistance, take the path that I'm most passionate about. Um, he's a perfect example of a guy. And granted, I understand it's a different time now. And I understand that if he had have left WWE now, maybe he would have had more luck. Maybe he could have gone to a Ring of Honor or a New Japan or something. But he was not a bottom feeder when he left WWE. He had a pretty decent position. Yeah. Uh, and he readily admitted he left WWE in 11. He got Lucha in 14. He had three years where he was kind of struggling a little bit, right? There were a lot of people that were like, oh, Morrison could be a top guy. I never saw that. I, I didn't either. I don't. I still don't think he has ever connected on promos. No, I, I agree. I don't think so. I will say this. From what I saw at Bound for Glory on Sunday, he has gotten real good in the ring. He is. Because like, I didn't like his work in WWE. But Lucha Underground and Impact Wrestling, he does some really cool stuff. His offense was the highlight of Bound for Glory, in my opinion. You know how he does that jumping, uh, whatever you call it, base jumping or the hell he does? Parkour. Okay. I always couldn't understand how they were trying to utilize that to get him over. They would show him backstage jumping off uh, crates and stuff like that. And I would think, how is that getting him over by showing that shit? I just never understood it. It was. It's just what they do. Hmm. He jumps over stuff. Look, he's doing yeah, it backstage. Yeah, it was so too. stupid. It was so stupid. The parkour skills. The education. <laughs> <feet>. <laughs> uh, <sighs> if anything, the Kofi Rumble spot could have been him. Well, right? they did. They did it with him. They did it with him, but they've done it with Kofi consistently year after year after year. Yeah, but I mean, I think they originally wanted to do it with Morrison, and he didn't work out. Maybe. Yeah, yeah he didn't maybe. Yeah. All right. All right. So there's there's you know there's some other athletic guys in this world. <laughs> yeah. They they had one about I don't know a year ago maybe about eleven years ago. Yeah. By the name of Kenny Dykstra. They thought he was gonna be something big. It didn't always work out for them. But uh, Kenny Dykstra would also later on in life go on to play football. He would do a lot of different things, but. He was pitched this cheerleader gimmick, maybe in part to his due to his athleticism. Elijah Burke, who I mentioned earlier, turned it down. But uh, I spoke to Kenny Dykstra about being pitched that gimmick and some of the things that they had to do to make an impression with Vince McMahon, including messing with his food, which is a widely known don't do type of thing. Here's my talk with Kenny Dykstra. I'm intrigued at the transition you made from one of the youngest people in WWE to the year of college football you played where you were maybe one of the older dudes on the field. Oh, yeah, I totally was. I was one of the older <laughs> guys. I was like 24 years old, which is not bad. I guess that's like what people, some of these players that have their masters in college mm -hmm. go for. So it was a different environment. It was fun. You know, it was just one of those things like if this is if I have the opportunity right now and I can do this, well, why not? You know, I like to play in the backyard or play pickup games. So 
why not give it a real approach? I played in high school, so it wasn't so bad. So uh, obviously you're remembered for that at great spirit squad run in 2006. How do you remember being pitched that role? We were in Louisville, Kentucky, OVW, and uh, I believe Raw or SmackDown was in Cincinnati, and they said, we want a group of you guys to drive up, and you have a meeting. And it was myself, Johnny Jeter, Elijah Burke, Nick Mitchell, and Nick Nemeth, Ziggler there. And we went up, and we met with Vince in his office, and he just said, I have an idea. He said, it's going to work. He said, I want male cheerleaders. And I thought he was joking at first, and I was, like, looking around, and I was like, this a joke? And he was like, all right, get out of my office, make it work. And we're like, okay. (laughs) So then we just left. We just, all right, let's leave. Let's go get some outfits or something. So then like we came back, they brought us back like maybe three weeks later. And uh, then actually what happened was Elijah, he he couldn't do it. He just said, I can't do it. And I, you know, I respect him for that because I was about to ask you about that. He, He had told me about that. Yeah, he knew what it was going to take. It was going to take some obnoxiousness and just like – and if he didn't think he could do it, that's fine because if he goes out there and tries and it doesn't work, well, then that could be his job. That could be our jobs. You know what I mean? So more respect to him. He, he stood his ground, and he knew what he could do, when he could do it, and that's good for him. But then they opened up the role for Mike Mondo, and uh, Mike Mondo, he was always like – you know, Mondo's always – it's a tough situation with that boy because, like, he's small, but, but he's got the heart of – Big show. You know what I mean? Like the guy, yeah. he can work with anybody. He could outwork anybody. He's probably one of the best in the business and he just never gets his due. You know what I mean? And I think WWE is looking at it as, well, why do we hire him? He's there at OVW. So I don't need to hire him if he's paying to go. That makes no sense, but it opened up a spot for him and he took it and he took the ball and ran with it. And then next thing you know, the squad came out and about, and there were weeks too, where they said, you know, we might not do the spirit squad idea anymore. Vince isn't sure about it. And we, we didn't know, you know, you never know at that part in that point. And we all were like, you know, this is our chance out of Louisville. This is our chance to actually make a mark. And maybe it's one of these gimmicks that doesn't work, but maybe it's one of these gimmicks that gets remembered for a long time. So we went to Vince's office and we sat there and we were like, when he comes in, we're just going to blow the air horn and do a cheer. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> and we were all set and sold on it. And then John Laurinaitis came in and was like, what, what are you guys doing? He's like, what do, why are you in here? And we're like, we're looking for Vince. Like, we're waiting on Vince. We're going to do a cheer. He's like, he's in the production meeting. He's like, follow me. I'll show you. <laughs> okay. So then we're like, okay, this is real. Like, we're going to – Johnny Ace is now telling us, you want to do it? Here, go do it in front of everybody in the production meeting. So we just bust open the door and did the cheer. And then Vince looked up, smiled. He said, you'll be on Raw next week. And we're like, all right, everybody out. Get out. Get out. Like, before he changes his mind. That and has to be I, a giant confidence booster. Oh, God, yeah, it was crazy. And I think we, like, hid the rest of the night because we didn't want him to just see us and be like, wait, I changed my mind. Like, yeah. you know, if they can never find you and tell you no, then it's never, it's still a yes, right? That's I guess that's – Chris Jericho tells us stories that, like, depending on how hungry Vince McMahon is, he might change his mind about something. Yeah, I read something about that. So, like, his food was actually in there. And I think Mondo <laughs> may have took a lobster tail or something like that. I don't remember exactly. So if anybody, if Vincent was ever wondering why he was missing a lobster challenge, Charlotte, North Carolina, it was probably, I think, Mondo took it. Had he known that, it might have cost you your jobs. Yeah, totally. <laughs> we wouldn't have had as long a run. So do you know if there was any rhyme or reason behind picking the people that were in there? Because it was a very wide array. You had someone really young in you. You had a guy with amateur wrestling experience and Dolph Ziggler who had been on TV before but pulled off. Johnny Jeter, who I know was – one of Chris Canyon's favorites out of OVW. He was very highly touted. Uh, Nick Mitchell from Tough Enough. 
And then Mike Mondo, who was a little smaller than everybody, but I think that that added to the group, having him and seeing, like, the size contrast there. Like, do you know if there was any rhyme or reason there? I don't know the rhyme or reason. The one thing that I do know, or the two things that I do know, is one, Nick Mitchell was chosen because they realized this kid has no idea about wrestling. He doesn't know the history of wrestling. He tried out because he wanted to win a million-dollar contract. I get it. Anybody would do so. And he's just really, really entertaining. So he fit the gimmick like to a T. I think the gimmick may have been built around him. Just like he's the butt scoot, so, right? Yeah, yeah. He's so obnoxious. And it was just like you, you couldn't help but laugh at him. And then uh, myself and Mondo eventually, were, Vince, we were chosen because we were the tag team that would wrestle on TV and pay per views. Like we were the pay per view and tag team champions. And on the house shows, the other guys could get more experience. Not that they weren't as good, but I guess in Vince's mind, that's what he wanted. He wanted me and Mondo being the guys on the TV doing the wrestling matches. All right, you guys are back. Kenny Dykstra, still a very young guy. I would be shocked if we didn't see him back in the fold at some point in some capacity, even as a one-off. Uh, I want to give guy you guys a programming note. We do have a UFC Norfolk post-show this Sunday, so check that out. I know that some of you are new UFC viewers after this weekend. But I uh, wanted to mention that. Also, James Lynch's MMA Industry Podcast, I always have people asking me, how do I get into MMA? How do I get into pro wrestling? How do I get into covering it? And then how do I get into getting paid to cover it? Uh, the first episode has me on it. Last week's has Aaron from, I think, TSN mm -hmm. as he was covering UFC 217. That is a, just a fantastic resource that you can find out how that works. Um, definitely check that out, Fightful.com, Fightful Pods. And I kind of wanted to carry that into something else, Jimmy. The Young Bucks posted a tweet yesterday, or one of them did, saying it was 10 years before we made any money doing this. Mm -hmm. Artists keep at it. Joey mm -hmm. Ryans uh, posted a quote saying that uh, it took him eight years to quit his day job, 10 years to move into his own place, 14 years to start putting money away into savings, 17 years to buy a house. I don't necessarily have a question as it pertains to that, but – Kind of your thoughts about it? So when I started my original wrestling website back in 97, I think I started it, I was able to quit my day job a year later. In, in 98, I was making enough money that I was able to make it a full-time thing. Yeah. Uh, but then it just so happened, like I said, the dot-com bubble burst, my checks were slashed, and then I decided I want to make more money, got into business, and things have been good. Haven't regretted it yeah. for a second. But... Uh, I, I really respect guys that because sometimes you look at it like, well, if they have a family, then maybe you should be more responsible. Yeah. You know, if you got kids to take care of, maybe you should be more responsible. But at the same time, uh, if you if nine to five isn't for you, uh, some people don't want to be accountants or or whatever, work a nine to five job, sitting at a desk all day. If that's not for you, and if you are in a situation where you can take seventeen years, what did Joey Ryan say to get a house? Seventeen years to get a house. Yeah. Okay. So if you're in a situation where you, you can afford to take 17 years to get a house doing what you love to do and your family's okay with it, all the power to you, man. You know, I think there does come a time when you kind of got to – I know in my situation when I decided it was time to sh shut my site down originally, I was in my early 30s by then. And I looked at it like I don't really have any assets. I didn't own a home. I didn't really have a lot of money. Uh, so it was time to kind of shit or get off the pot, so to speak. Yeah. And I got off the pot. But <laughs> – uh, but, uh, you know, if I all the power to those guys again. If they're in a place where they can afford to do that without it being at the expense of family or at the expense of children or something like that, then then cool. Yeah. 
Pete Dunne debuted on Monday Night Raw. He faced Enzo. Uh, I bring this up because obviously that was a pretty big moment on Raw, but it resonated a little bit better, not a little bit, a lot better than even I had expected. Mm -hmm. I do uh, a lot of YouTube Raw analysis. It's been a while since we've had those numbers up, but they will be back up soon. 1.175 million views on that show. Uh, that is unbelievably high for anything involving a cruiserweight, much less one that has never been exposed nationally or worldwide before to mm -hmm. that degree. It trailed only the tag title match and uh, Braun Strowman segment. That's it. Does he not look like William Regal's kid? He does. My God, man. Does he look like the child of William Regal, that guy? He looks like if William Regal got a hold of a copy of a wrestling video game right. and went into the Create a Wrestler suite and made somebody, it right. would be this guy. He looks and, like, and he carries himself with like the straight face and everything, he carries mm -hmm. himself like William Regal in the ring. It's uh, it's he's it's just amazing, but uh, good for him. I want to bring one thing up going back to Kenny Dykstra for a minute, and th this is sure. not related to Kenny Dykstra, but uh, I thought of this just listening to him talking about when they created the Spirit Squad, and how one of the guys in the Spirit Squad was Nick Nemeth, who uh, we know now as Dolph Ziggler. Yeah. Do you think when you look at Nick, I'm going to call him Nick Nemeth. When you look at Nick Nemeth, and when you look at the look, the athleticism, his in-ring ability, I don't think his promos are that great, but when you look at all that other stuff that he has going for him, do you think that um, he was behind the eight ball because they named him Dolph Ziggler? Like, do you think that that name was an albatross around his neck that prevented him from being, being able to get solidified as a main eventer? Because I happen to think that that was a big issue right out of the chute for him. I don't think so because he, he was ready for it in like 2013 whenever he got that great crowd reaction. I think he uh, – maybe it hurt, but he overcame it. So, But, but the I thing is, is how often would you see Dolph Ziggler on Conan O'Brien or Dolph Ziggler? On, has he ever made appearances on those shows ever, even one time? I don't know about that because he's never reached that level, but I mean he's on commercials all the time and he's doing – yeah, but he does a lot of appearances. But he's on commercials because of his athleticism, and they don't say his name on that stuff, right? Because you know how the mainstream audience is, right? Imagine if you've got Conan O'Brien saying, here he is, Dolph Ziggler. The crowd would giggle, right? Because his name was so stupid. I, I happen to think that I – now, again, I never really saw him as a – you know, he wasn't The Rock by any stretch, and he wasn't Shawn Michaels by any stretch. But I do think that uh, the name hampered him from – going farther up the card because again when you look at who WWE looks at as this is going to be a guy we're going with it's a guy that's going to have mainstream appeal it's a guy that they're confident putting on on ESPN or Conan O'Brien or Jimmy Fallon and I can't help but think that depending on the venue uh, they were worried that the, that the people in the dance are going to giggle with the name Dolph Ziggler because you know where that name came from right? Yes. Dirk Diggler mm -hmm. so I feel like he was behind the eight ball from the very first day with that name. That's just my opinion. Well, it's also the mixture of – they like to combine things, and I'm sure the Dolph Lundgren yes. guy had a little bit to do with it. But I think it was his – well, I don't know, inability or <laughs> unwillingness to evolve that hurt more than anything because there were few guys as over as him when he had that briefcase. He was in a program with Cena, and people were all for it. Like right. people liked it. right. And AJ Lee was involved. She was incredibly over. Mm -hmm. And it looked like his overness was going to launch Big E. Like, there were so many moving parts there. Mm -hmm. Like, at that point, John Cena being involved with Dolph Ziggler was because you know, Dolph Ziggler, people cared about him. Right. 
so they were like, all right, let's match up these two guys that people care about. But do you think a lot of it was, you know, people wanted to see the briefcase cashed in and they wanted to see the title change and who had it was kind of secondary to the live crowd? Yeah. So I think so too. I think it could have been almost anybody, but just knowing the champions in the ring and the music hits from the guy with the briefcase, I think the crowd popped for that because they wanted to see it cashed in. Yeah, but I mean, they were popping for him all the time anyway. Not at that level. Not to that degree. Well, nobody at that level. It's a cash-in. That's, 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 well, that's it. That's it. Exactly. But, I mean, they were. he was over. He was way over. Like, people loved him. Uh, but, maybe. It, eh, go back and listen to it. Uh, what, what are you, eh? I'm not sold. And saying, oh, but the cash-in was a really big pop. No shit. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sold that Ziggler was ever that over. Yeah, Shawn Michaels was kind of over, but that title win that he had. Oh, that was come not on. A good pop. That is ridiculous. Yeah, that man. You, it's ridiculous you would ever make that comparison. That's yeah, absurd. I wasn't making a comparison. I was wow. just quoting you verbatim. No, that's, <laughs> that's, exactly, that's exactly what, what you were doing. That's exactly what you were doing. Yeah. Steve Austin never drew a dime. Quote me on that, too. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> guys, visit Fightful.com, forum.fightful.com. I want to hear from you guys. At Fightful.com, we have videos, photos, all kinds of stuff. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Leave us a thumbs up. I can't express how much that helps. Share our stories across social media. All that stuff is really neat, too. But follow us at Fightful online on Twitter. You can also see our individual uh, Twitters at Fightful Wrestle and Fightful MMA. I am at Sean Ross Sapp. Jimmy is at Jimmy Van 74 Jimmy, you have anything else? No, man. I'm just living life right now with two little kids running three properties. It's a hellacious time. It sounds like it. It is. It sounds like it. it is. This, is, this, is my, uh, this is my serenity. Like this podcast yeah. on Wednesday afternoons, this is my serenity. To me, so. this signifies – I don't want to say my weekend because I don't stop working, but – I usually expect things like as far as my workload, not as far as news load, it slows down a little bit because I don't have a Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday evening podcast. Right, right. But then something always happens. Like, you know, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens getting sent home from a European tour. Yep. You'll have that. Uh, guys, but you all keep it locked at Fightful.com. Uh, we have plenty of news for you. Every day you go to Fightful.com, you will see something there that you cannot see at another website. So make sure you all tune in. Until next time, guys, we're out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.